0: Ah, so good to remember Jesus together, to declare him, to call him our king. If you don't know him like that, if you don't know Jesus as king, if you don't even sure if he's real, man, we're so honored that you have joined us this morning. You're in the right place. Like I told you, we're, we're starting a brand new series today, um, which we'll get to in a second. But, but let me start with just some background um, on this letter and on this place, I, I mentioned a little bit. So, so Titus is, is the guy that uh, Paul wrote this letter to. Um, it's known in the New Testament, shockingly, as the book of Titus. And um, Titus was a different dude. So let me give you a little background. As, as a multi-ethnic church, you know, we learn a lot about the strife. and, and the, but, but it's different, right? So we have a lot of racial issues in our culture today. Um, man, first century, it, it was just... It was mainly uh, Jews and Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew. Um, and, and the Jews were, were just steeped in some, some spiritual uh, pride because they were the chosen people. God didn't want to take a country and then make it his own, so he started a country out of nothing, out of Abraham, out of one man. And there, there's that beautiful prophecy in Genesis 12 that all ethnicities or nations will be blessed through Abraham, which is a prophecy of Jesus and the multi-ethnic church, um, so, so there, was, there was Jewish people that, hey, we're chosen from God, right? And then there was the, the Romans or the Gentiles, uh, some pagans, you know, Greek mythology, worship, all that. And they were like, you know, they looked down on the Jews um, for a lot of reasons and dirty and, and weird and because they thought they were better. But it wasn't just like we don't like them. It was like no association. Um, we don't even consider them human like us. That, that was the depth of it. Um, I was reading this week in in Acts uh, chapter 22, and Paul is, 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 in, is in Jerusalem, and it's a big deal that he's in Jerusalem because he was one of the main Jewish guys, and then he went off on this Christian thing and, and started hanging out with the unclean and preaching to Gentiles, and he's making his defense. He's in Jerusalem. It's this big moment, and they're tracking with him. As a preacher, you know, you can tell when people are with you, and he's telling them the whole Old Testament history, and they're listening, and it's going okay, and, and everything falls apart when he says one line, and then God sent me to the Gentiles. As soon as he says that, they lose their mind. They rush the stage. Don't do that today, right? They, they, they rush the stage, and it eventually leads to his arrest and imprisonment, and eventually his death. They could not even handle the thought that God would send him, a Jewish man, to, to speak anything to the Gentiles. That's how deep it was. So most, you know, um, of, of Paul was a Jew, and Jesus was a Jew, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there, there's a couple of letters written to Timothy. Timothy was what we would call today um, biracial. He, he was a, had a, a Greek mother and a Jewish father, or it might have been the other way around. I don't remember. Um, but, but he, so he was half Jew, um, and we have those letters written to him. Titus, though, is, is, is different. Titus was fully Gentile. He was a fully Gentile, most likely pagan-worshiping man that Paul met. And told the gospel about Jesus, and Titus became a follower of Jesus, and he had no Jewish blood in him whatsoever. So he was helping Paul out, planting churches. We're a church plant. We just spent two weeks celebrating our eighth birthday, right? If you want to keep celebrating today, you can. We just don't have any of that delicious Italian ice today. Um, but we, So we're a church plant, eight years old, so they planted a brand new church on the island of Crete, which is one of the Greek islands, steeped thick in Greek God-worshipping culture. And then Paul went around doing what he was doing. This is the letter, that, that, and we believe that Scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God um, called Paul to write back to Titus, who is now one of the church leaders at this island of Crete, where this church has been planted. Now, what do they got going there? They got some Jewish stuff, some Jewish Christians that have come to follow Jesus, believe he is the Messiah and the Savior. And then they got a bunch of people that were in the pagan temple two months ago. Now they're following Jesus. They hear the gospel. They're moved in their heart. They make a decision like maybe you might make today. I don't know. And now they're, they're not having, well, let's have a, a 9 a.m. service for, for the, this group and an 11 service. Like they're all together as a church and guess what they start doing? They start bringing the Zeusness into the church, right? Because if you know the story of Zeus, he wasn't a, a deity. He wasn't like you know some of the um, you know Marvels got all this stuff and all the backstories where, where immortals. He was a, just a normal man who became a god, right? He was just a normal man who became a god, and then when he became a god, he started using his powers. If you know like the the stories, it's not pretty. Like he's using his stuff. A lot of womanizing, a lot of seduction, a lot of awfulness. And they kind of they love that about him. That was part of the Zeusness that they love. So all that's in the culture, and now it's in the church. And they're, they're like, hey, Zeus was a man, and he became God, and maybe we can become God, and maybe God will give us powers to seduce women and do all kinds of craziness. And, and these people are, and, and poor my man Titus, like, he's trying to lead these people, like, time out. No, 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 that's not what this is. And Paul's trying to encourage him in that. It's just a ton of false teaching. In that moment, in that church, as there is in our culture today, like it's, I, I, I love it when I said, if you're not sure about Jesus, we're so glad you're here. I, it's so hard in our culture to figure out what is true. I mean, this church is saying everything that you can imagine and then some, and I, just, I feel for people like they're really trying to figure out what's true and what's not, but it's so confusing. And, and we're bringing not because we're right, but because God's right, we're true to his scripture, and we're going to look at really four verses for the next four weeks. Packed in the middle of this little book, this little letter written to Titus from Paul. So it'll be in chapter 2 of Titus. And it's called The It Factor. It's the name of this, this series. And you guys have heard that, right? The we, Celebrities, uh, musicians, athletes. Why, why do you like, like Easter? If you're here in Easter, I talked about Ja Moran. And he's just different. What's he got? He's got that it factor. What does that mean? It just means that it factor. What is it? It's that it. Like, I don't know. Is it, the, is it his points? Is it his stats? Like, no, it's, it's something else. It's the way, I don't know. It's just that it factor, right? And you can find that in life and relationships on TV and, and, and all through history. We, we, we love, our culture loves people that just, they got that something, right? That it factor. Well, it's a little different. We're not going to talk about that for four weeks. We're going to talk about what the it and our it factor is. And I fully believe this, church. The it that we're going to talk about, the it factor will change our church. We won't be the same church in four weeks. It'll change your life. It will change our city, and it is, has been, and will continue to change our world. Now, that's a series right there, right? She's done a little tease commercial with that, right? I believe that it will change our church. It'll change your life. It'll change our city, and it is and has been, and will continue to change our world. That's how big the it is. Here's our main verse, the main verse we're going to talk about today. It's from Titus 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, for the grace of God, that's the it. We'll talk about verse 12 next week. It's not even on the screen this week, but verse 12 starts with it. That's our word. That's how we got our title, It Factor, and we're gonna tell you all that it does and means in the coming weeks, but for today, we gotta to sit in what the it is talking about, which is the grace of God. If you know, you've been around, you heard Raph preach a couple weeks ago, like grace, he preached this message, a beautiful message. Uh, he said, you don't, want, you don't want fair, right? You want grace. Right, we'll talk about it what that means, what that means for you, but, but you guys have been with us. When we start a verse with four, right, I'm hoping that some of you are like, wait a second, we can't start a verse with four. What does the four mean, right? So we got to go backwards in Scripture. You got to get a context, right? Preachers historically sometimes can be real guilty of taking a verse and making it say whatever they want it to say. So it's coming off of something, and I got to be honest with you, what it's coming off of, it's not real pretty, but I think it's important to talk about. I know it's important to talk about. Um, multi-ethnic church or not, we need to talk about this Especially maybe with our multi-ethnicity. Uh, let me just read the two verses that came before our main verse. Verses nine and 10, Paul says to Titus, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can, fully, they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Am I the only one that's got a little cringe with that? Right, And then it goes from that into our main verse. So, so we got to understand words and concepts. This is really important because there's a lot. There's a lot out there in 2022 about Christianity and connection to slavery and Bible and, and, and what's what. And I'll, I'll use this example. Um, I went to a Christian university, Kentucky Christian University. They didn't allow us to burn incense in the dorm rooms. right? Uh, and the reason was because... When, Usually, not always, but usually you're burning incense to cover up the smell of marijuana. Hashish, right? So, so that made a, a policy where incense got banned at Kentucky Christian University, right? And, and if we wanted to, we'd be like, come on, people. Come on, administration. It's all through Scripture. Incense is everywhere in the Old Testament. Incense is, is from God. You can't, at a Christian university, you can't make a law against burning incense when God says burning incense is cool, Right? But the, the, the problem is we're taking, you know, if you, if you mess with that, right, you're taking what incense means in our modern culture and you're forcing that meaning on 2,000 years ago culture or more than 2,000 years ago with the Old Testament. So don't hear me saying slavery was wonderful and beautiful and just everybody, like slavery, slavery was awesome, right? That's not true. But when we see the word slave, we think of what's happened in our country over the last 400 years, 4 or 500 years. And that is not what they were talking about in the New Testament. It's not the same thing. What it never was in the first century, it was never kidnapping. It was never what happened in our history where we went to another country and stole people. That's not what slavery was. It was also usually not race-based, it was poverty-based, unlike, so we're naturally gonna think modern slavery and then we're gonna like, man, what in the world? You know, in a verse saying, teach slave, like what in the world is God? And, and people have made the case that how can you follow a God who's pro-slavery? Trust me if you know me at all. If not, do your own research. You cannot make the case. There's a lot of things in Scripture that are kind of gray and we can argue about and debate and have a different take. It only takes a second grade biblical education to know. You cannot justify or condone slavery from Scripture. Cannot be done. In fact, God, in the Old Testament, when he started this nation, he talked about slavery. And and, and in his eyes, slavery was always restorative, right? right. There's no welfare office, office, right? There's no, you can't file bankruptcy back in the day, right, right. and start over. So if you lost everything, you would then make a contract with another family. Hey, we're going to work your fields, right? And and we're going to graciously, if I'm the other family, I'm going to graciously allow you to work my fields, and we're going to pay you, and we're going to make a contract of how long we're going to do this. And when we get to the end of that contract, then you're going to be back on your own and free. That, that, that was the kind. Now, in first century, when Paul's writing to Titus, there was some harsh, I mean, again, it wasn't all pretty, but it wasn't what we think and know of slavery. Most likely, the slaves on Crete had lost all their money. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe there wasn't. They had made a deal with a boss or a contract. We're going to work for you. We're going to sell our family to you for a time until we can get back on our feet. So that's a much different setting. And, and and what he says at the end is, is absolutely key, that in every way you'll make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So whatever position you are in life, let's attract people to God. Now, let me go back and say one more thing, because some of you are smart, and you know, if you know our history, Scripture has very much been used to justify slavery in our country by people that stood on stages and, and led churches. So what, what, what do we do with that? Well, one, we're, we're very thankful that when you, when you study the movement of abolition, um, abolitionist, abolitionism, it is deeply saturated with gospel, with, with preachers, preachers, with, with scripture. scripture. The way abolition came about was through the beauty and truth of scripture, so we have that. But at the end of the day, we just gotta admit the truth. What happened was people were seeking power they had an end result. We've decided that God, we need to get God on the side of slavery. So we're going to go to Scripture and help it say what we already decided it would say. And that's possible, right, Scripture, in its essence and in its, in its context and its truth, it doesn't say that. But if you decide in advance what you want Scripture to say, you can get it to say just about anything. We see that in 2022, do we not? I've already decided what I want people to do I've already decided what I want the the end result that's not science right when science is not we've already decided what the end is now we're going to come up with a theory that says what we've already decided we want the you know science is let's go open-handed and open heart and see where the data leads us right that's not what happened what happened was slavery we need to defend it and we can't lose it and we got to get people to believe that it's okay how can we get church people three 400 years ago to believe that this is what we're doing and and kidnapping and then purchasing and then working people to death and not paying them. How can we get people to like be okay with that? Here's how we can do it. We can tell them God is for it. And we can twist scripture to make the case. That's what we would call evil, right? But that's what what happened. And that's what we can't do on any issue. There's a lot of tough issues today. I'm not going to get into any of that today. But man, we got to go with any issue. We got to go with not what, here's what I want the Bible to say. It's, let me seek God. God, you reveal what truth is on whatever issue, no matter what culture. Saying, let's go back. Now we get back to verse 11. So off of that, for the grace of God, it means a little different. We're talking about. People that, that you're subject to and, and, and maybe even a harsh master. And we're saying, God is saying, hey, don't steal. Be the best you can be because we want to attract even that harsh slave master to Jesus. Why? For the grace of God has appeared to all. Nobody's exempt. That grace and mercy. right? Let's, let's define that again. Remember, grace is... Giving you something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. right? So mercy is I don't get what I should have gotten. Grace is I'm being given something that I can't make a claim on. Grace is being given all that God has given us. And specifically, it's our standing. Where we stand with God, that's grace. We we have been given a standing where I can stand in right relationship with the creator, holy God. Some of you, I don't know how many, but I feel like a few of you are, like, down with this homework thing we've been doing the last few weeks, all right? Some people are, like, doing their homework, right? And I don't want to get weird with that, and we're never going to have a raise your hand if you did, like, but we're going to keep doing that. This week, Ephesians 3, that's your homework, all right? Last week was Ephesians 2. We're just asking you, and, and we can all, you know, I can do better with my family. We're, we're, we're asking, if, if you know, just to sit and dwell and study and pray through and discuss with whoever you live with or whoever you're doing life with, and and a chapter uh, last week was Ephesians 2, and I just want to, whether you were in it or not, I just want to remind us of our standing, of where we came from, so the first five verses of Ephesians 2 are just, I could never say it better, so let me read this, it says, as for you, and you got to get personal with this paragraph, right? As for you, put your name in there. I don't know everybody's name, but I know my name. As for David Jones, I was dead in my transgressions and sins. I was dead, y'all. If you don't get the deadness, man, it's not, you're not going to you're not gonna be able to raise a hallelujah. It's just not that exciting. Raise a hallelujah. We started the service with it. It's just a song. It's a cool song. It sounds good. A oh, Man, our team sings it good. Our band sounds great. But that's all it is if you don't know that you were dead. If you know you were dead, it becomes much more than a cool song. It becomes something deep. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us. You want to get mad at the sin that you don't struggle with? You want to get mad at people that do stuff you'd never do? Well, guess what? God doesn't really give you that route. He puts us all in one bucket. What is it? All of us also lived among them at one time. What do we do? We gratified the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We all have flesh. We all have sinful nature. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because... Of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Transgressions means sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all People. What, what is the grace? It's the gift of our standing. What is our standing? It's, we've been saved by grace. And it's so important. If you can go back to Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 just for a second. It's so important that verse 5 that said he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Some of you still get stuck in this path of when I get my life cleaned up, I can come and I can sing and I can worship, I can be part of a church, I can do all this stuff. It's when you were at your worst, when you were as dead as dead can be, all the way fully 100% dead, not when you made a step toward God, not when you did a good deed, not when you figured it out, not when you read your Bible, not when you started coming back to church, not when you stopped looking at whatever you were looking at, when you were dead, even when we were dead. That's when God made us alive. How? He gave us a gift through Jesus. It's our faith in that gift that gives us our standing. What's our standing? I stand here today, I was dead, and now I'm alive. What does that mean? This means a God who sees me, He sees you right now. When he looks at me, he sees a son. And adopted, fully inherited. I get all the blessings. I, I, I'm not seen with my sin. I'm not stained. I am holy and righteous because Jesus gave me his holy righteousness. He traded my sin for his righteousness. Remember it said we were deserving of wrath? Jesus showed up to take the wrath. We all deserve the wrath, and God said, I'm going to send my son, to take, because I don't, I don't want because we're never going to, like, we don't understand, some t- like I said, some tough stuff. You read the Old Testament, it's like, my goodness, is God just, is he angry? Like, I'm so glad he calmed down over the years. It's not that he changed. He's always been the same. The difference was he's holy. He's always holy. But before Jesus, he was just leading up. Like, he has no patience for sin. He can't deal with me. He loves me. He cannot deal with me because of my sin. He's holy. He by nature can't come close to me because of my sin. His holiness won't let him. And all of the laws and the traditions and the, the measuring stick of the Old Testament, it was all to prove to humanity, there will ne- not Moses, not Abraham, not David, there will never be a human that can live up to the holy standard. We all fall short. That's the point. And all along, he had the plan to send Jesus and to live the life we can't live, to live perfectly, and then to choose to go to a cross and receive the wrath that I have earned in my own rebellion. And he received that punishment on and for me. And now I get When I place my faith in him, what do I get? I get the standing. I can wake up every day and know what God sees when he looks at me. He sees the perfection and holiness and righteousness of Jesus. He sees a son that he's bought and adopted and welcomed into his family. And he sees a son that he has planned and excited about spending forever with. He is working and creating a kingdom and a world that has no cancer, has no death, has no racism, has no slavery, has no debt, has none of it. And we're going to be there with Jesus forever. It's a gift. And it's the it. And it's grace. And it changes people. It changes people. See, we're going we're gonna to spend some four weeks on this in a small group. There's not a slide for it, um, but here's your, your, your first teaser. We haven't talked much about it. We're going to meet here. If there's a few of us, then there'll be a few groups. If there's a bunch of us, there'll be a bunch of groups in this room for four Tuesday nights, starting uh, two weeks from this Tuesday. So we got 16 days. We're going to talk about how great. So, so some of you still, I hear it in your words and I'm not mad at you. It's just like, man, I got to preach better. Because we've been doing this eight years, and some of you have been with us eight years or five years or three years, and I still hear on a regular basis some version of, oh, I love the gospel. I received the gospel. I became a Christian. I'm kind of ready. Like, now what? Like, what's the graduate level? Where I, I, want, I, want, I want something deeper. There's nothing deeper than the gospel. The gospel is what changes you day, but that's where the transformation that wraps forever is. That's where it come, comes from. None of you, none of you are going to live long enough to get to the day where like, yeah, I kind of worked my way through the gospel. The, all the implications. Like every day, you want to go deeper and closer and tighter with Jesus? Then you sit in the reality again today that you're standing with God as a son or a daughter of the king that you've been bought and redeemed and saved and rescued. And he loves you without condition. It changes. It, like, some of us aren't changing, let's be honest. We're the same as we were. And you want to read more Bible studies. Like, that's not going to help you until the Bible study is built on how to interact with the gospel every day. So for four Tuesday nights, this is your invitation. We're going to go deep into the gospel and how you can never graduate from it. And how if you really understand your standing. And I don't have anywhere close to enough time this morning. To, to, we're going to do that on those four Tuesday nights. Like, what is, what is, what is your stand? like how you're standing is going to completely change your life if you understand where you stand with God. Because we still believe that beautiful Romans 1.16 that we preached on the early days of Relentless Church. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God, right? My goodness, we were talking to Shauna, just prayed about a rough week. I was talking with someone before church about a rough week. Like we, none of us have a clue what has happened in the last seven days, just in this room, when we talk about transformation, like, who knows what God wants to do? Like, don't you want to be different? Don't you want to be, a, be evidence of a real living God interacting with your life, your marriage, your job, your parenting, your studenting, your whatever? That's not a word. I made it up. Studenting. Don't you want like, that's where you like, you don't have a doubt. You're in here and you're singing, like, I know I'm struggling, but I know God is real because he's working in your life. It's the power of God, not just to save, but to Transform. Like, we're all changing together. We're not going to have enough time. We're, n- we're going to run out of days on this earth before we can fully change all the beautiful ways that God wants us. So, it, it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First, and again, belief, we, we always say, belief ain't getting you nowhere. When belief in Scripture, if you really unpack the word, it's talking about trust, following, surrender. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now, that's not a, that's not a racial ranking in Scripture. It's just talking about how this, it came to the Jews first, then it came to the Gentiles. There's a beautiful story. Uh, this is Old Testament story, and we, we preached this years ago, the full story. I'll give you a little piece of it. But uh, Joshua, uh, some of you uh, are named after this guy from, from the Old Testament. Joshua was leading the, the Israelites, and it was a... Um, a messed up group of people that were um, just saying awful and being awful towards God. And, and they were going to go, uh, God called Joshua and the army to go take over this city called Jericho. So they had all kinds of crazy instructions of how they were going to do that. We won't get into all that. But he sent, Joshua sent two spies into Jericho to kind of scout out the place before they were going to, to attack. And these two spies uh, ran into this woman named Rahab. Rahab was not a Jew. She was part of Jericho. It was a very pagan culture, very messed up culture. And Rahab, this is kind of messed up. Rahab was, when she's mentioned in Scripture, she's mentioned by, connected with one word, prostitute. There's a lot of people mentioned in Scripture where they don't, they don't tell us what they did, you know, if they were a shepherd, like, they don't mention their occupation, but Rahab was known as a prostitute. So she's a pagan living in Jericho. Doesn't know the real, true God, and she's a prostitute. Now, um, again, culturally, we hear prostitute, and some of you might think, I don't know what you think. I don't want to know what you think when we say that in 2022. But, it, but most likely, like, this was not voluntary prostitution. Uh, there's pretty certain, like, the Rahab, this is, Rahab had lived a pretty horrendous life. So she's in Jericho. She runs in. She, she meets these spies. Somehow, you know, she, there's this conversation, and she chooses to risk her life for the God of these Jewish spies. There's not a lot of reason for her to do that, but something in her, there's, there's a moment of faith. The New Testament gives her credit for some faith. The Rahab, the prostitute, says, you know what, I'm gonna hide y'all out. I'm gonna help you. And then later, the, the, the Jericho people, they ask, hey, we're looking for these guys. Have you?" And she sends them the wrong way. Right? Um, so she protects them. And, and Joshua tells her, Hey, put a, put a cord, a scarlet cord on your window, and when we take over the city, we won't mess with anybody in your house because you trusted our God and you protected our spies. So the invasion comes, and we get this verse, Joshua 6, 25. Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. Now, check this in. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. All right, so when this was written, any, any us to who we think wrote Joshua? You got it. That's what we think. We think Joshua wrote Joshua, hence the name. When Joshua wrote this, it wasn't, it wasn't Greek mythology, like take our word for it. There's a Zeus. It was, hey, there's a woman named Rahab. Go check her out. Fact check me. She's still living with the Israelites to this day. So she... She did this, and she protected them, and and it makes sense if they said, thank you, Rahab, right? She's non-Jewish. Thank you for doing that. We're not going to kill you. That'd be cool. But that's not what happened. They took a prostitute, and they said, no, you come live with us now. You become part of what God's doing. You become part of our Israelite family, even though ethnically you're not Jewish, but you are now. And that's not all. There are four beautiful accounts, and they're different in perspective, but they're all true from God. There are four different accounts of the life, teachings, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus. They are the bedrock of the church that has continued for 2,000 years, will continue till Jesus comes back. They are the accounts that we refer to as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first of those, Matthew, is the most Jewish of the four accounts. He's quoting a ton of Old Testament, a ton of uh, trying to help Jewish people understand the Messiah you're waiting for. He's come. He's legit. He's real. The book of Matthew starts with genealogy, because if you know Jewish, like that is, there's nothing more important than who your daddy and your daddy and daddy's daddy and your daddy's daddy daddy is. So Matthew, if you've ever read Matthew 1... It's just Abraham was the father of so-and-so, was the father of so-and-so, was the father of so-and-so, was the father of of so-and-so. Why? Because they wanted to show from Abraham to David to Jesus the line of how the Son of God came into existence. And if you're in that line, like, oh, my goodness, you're part of the genealogy of the Son of God. Crazy. So, and it's not, and you know how it is back then, like women, I'm sorry, but it was all dads. You're the father of so-and-so, father, like, as if nobody, like, the woman did all the work. But the father of so-and-so, father of so-and-so, father of so-and-so, until we get to verse 5, Matthew 1. Salmon, tough name. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was what? Talk to me, church, whose mother was? Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. Rahab's mentioned in the genealogy. Jesus and if you know we preached a series a couple years ago about Ruth that amazing story and this poor woman and and everything that happened and she was a widow and Boaz noticed her and was good to her and kind to her and eventually married her that Boaz that married Ruth who was his mom it was Rahab the prostitute and even if that happened if if religious people were writing the scripture of the genealogy of Jesus, if they're just mentioning all these men, there's one woman you never mention. It's that the prostitute was in the line of Jesus, but carried by the Holy Spirit. When no other mothers were mentioned before this, and then it gets, and we need to know, according to God, he wanted Relentless Church to know, my son of God, my whole plan, my redemptive story, it's important to stop and say that the mother of Boaz was Rahab, a prostitute. In fact, we say Jesus was a Jew, like technically, like I'm not gonna get people all worked up, but technically, he wasn't fully Jew because his great, 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 great grandmother was not Jewish at all. Why was why that detail? In a, in, a, in a culture where women were so minimized, why would they include that? of grace. It's been the same story from the beginning of time. If there's one thing, if men were writing the Bible, if there's one thing you leave out, it's the part about the prostitute in our family tree. We're not going to talk about her. We're definitely not going to put her to the scroll, but it sums up and epitomizes and encapsulates grace. Grace Nobody is exempt. In fact, the more you understand how unworthy you are, the more grace changes your life. Look at, look at the connection, right? So go back to 2.11, it says the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation, right? We're just like Rahab. Right, there's so many cool connections. Uh, remember that the, when, the, when the Israelites were freed from Egypt and the last plague of the firstborn, it said to put some blood of a lamb on the doorpost so the death angel won't come and kill the firstborn. They were saved by the blood of the lamb, uh, which was a direct connection to the blood of the lamb of Jesus. Well, they told Rahab to put a scarlet cord on your window, and we will know that you're protected. She was saved from death. Everybody else all her neighbors died. She didn't die. She was saved from death, just as we're saved from death. We're hopeless and helpless and headed to hell. That's what Ephesians 2, like it doesn't matter. Well, I haven't done that bad. It doesn't matter. We're all dead in our sins. You're not a little dead. You're just dead. You're completely dead with no ability to come back to life. Jesus did that for you. That's the gospel. That's grace. We were saved by death, just like Rahab. We were then brought into the family. She, She was welcomed in. Now you're going to live with us. Now we've been brought. We've been rescued and adopted into a family and She was woven into the story that God was writing. I don't think she had any idea that she'd be part of the genealogy of Jesus. How could she? Or even the great-grandmother of King David. Like, how could she? We never know the story, full story, that God is writing. But she was woven into that story just as we are. You know, Raph mentioned Welcome to Relentless. This is your last chance to hear about that. Because right? it's tomorrow night. We would love for you to come. We'd love for you to sign up. If you don't sign up, we're still going to be glad you're here. But we want to know you're coming. So you need to do that today. And, and we've talked about this for a few weeks if you've never been. It's just it's not to like, get you to come or to check a box. It really is. We think God's writing a huge story. And it's much, much bigger than Relentless Church. It is his global church that is built on the grace of God that's appeared to all people and changing lives day by day. And in that, and, and this may not be the church for you. If you follow Jesus, I don't know what church is for you. I know that you got to be plugged in and following and a part of a church. And if this might be the church you want to be a part of, then we want you we want to we want to watch God write this story that none of us really know exactly where it's going. We just know he's behind it and it's going to be beautiful. And he does that through his global church. He does that through local churches. We're a local church and if you follow him, you need to you need to know where your church is going and And what your church is about. And if we might be your church. No. It's a real casual event tomorrow night. We give you some snacks. We talk. We ask questions. Come on. Sign up. Join us. 630 will be out before kickoff of the Giants-Cowboys game. By the way. Panthers. All right. When Rav preached that series. Be last. Right. we We didn't know that that was prophecy. Right. That he did that to us. But. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm still believing. Uh, keep pounding. You can't give up on your team when your motto is keep pounding. We've told you that they stole that from Scripture. I'm still on that. But this is, this is a must win today. So if you've kind of been praying, but not really, like, this is it. Because here's why. If we lose today, I'm going to stay with my Panthers no matter what. If we lose today, you're not going to hear me. I'm not going to say nothing. Right? Some of you are like, man, can you stop with the Panthers? If we lose today, I'm done. I'm not done, but you know what I'm saying. Back to the verse. I want to finish with this. Here's what happens. This grace, grace of God has appeared. It's coming off verses, talking to slaves, saying, hey, be the best employee, or, or in that case, it, 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 be everything. Don't steal. Don't do everything you can do so that what? But what the, 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 that your people that are over you, the people you're interacting with, that they might be attracted to who Jesus is. Why? Because the grace of God is for everybody. Right, you know what we have evidence of? Multi ethnic church, come on. You know what we have evidence of? Not in scripture as much as historically when you study, is good evidence that in the, new, in the first century church, we had people that were slaves to their owners during the week, and then they came to church, and the slaves were elders over their owners. That's how it was. You might be over me, my boss, in the week. And then we had these, like, because the New Testament church, it wasn't the ri- it wasn't just you know the people that had money. We had owners that were then coming to Jesus and submitting themselves to the spiritual leadership of their slaves. That tells you one, that's a different kind of slavery than what we know in America, and two, it's the power of the gospel. This grace changes the world. It makes people that'll never even follow Jesus. Like, what is? What is happening over there? I don't even know what's happening. That doesn't even make sense to my mind. You want to you just live your life and do you and, and do what everybody else does and have dreams and then get old and think, man, it didn't turn out like I hoped it would. And then one day, man, death's coming for me too. Yeah, I didn't think it would come so quick. I can't believe it's over. You want to live that life? Most people are. Go for it. But you want to live a supernatural life where you know that God of the universe has his hand on you? unmistakable, changing you day by day. It comes from not graduating past, but sitting every day, and I've done so much messed up stuff. I've thought so many messed up thoughts, yet God's not looking at me and seeing that. My standing, I'm clear and clean and forgiven and rescued and adopted, and he wants to use me and change me. Here's what grace gives you. It produces. If we'll sit in grace, three things. Number one, right, there's a peace that's real. Don't we need that? Aren't we like hungry, like a peace? Peace doesn't mean everything goes smooth. Man, I hate it when church is free. Tashaun is up here helping us lead in worship, saying on the mic, it's been a rough week. There's so, I don't want to say so many. There's too many churches that say if you'll just follow Jesus, you won't have the rough weeks. And if you do have the rough weeks, you must have done something wrong. That's nowhere in Scripture. What is in Scripture is no matter the roughness of the week there's a peace. Don't take my word for it. That's not good enough. (laughs) My word for it does not help you this Wednesday if something, whatever. There's a peace through the person of Jesus that will show up that's unmistakable and undeniable. And you won't, once you feel it, it's hard to get anybody to stop talking about it. We need it. And it comes from grace. It comes from knowing your identity. Peace comes from knowing who you are. You're not what you did. You're not your worst moment. Rahab's not a prostitute to Jesus. She's somebody that God used and changed her standing and changed her inheritance and changed her identity. My identity is in my adoption. Who I am is completely wrapped up in whose I am. That brings a peace that is just it, money will never buy it. It, just, it is nothing better. And some of you know the other side of it right now. You know I don't have peace. I'm not settled. And, and part of that maybe it's because you've never given your life to Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus and you're not feeling peace, I bet you need to spend more time dwelling on grace and where you stand with God. Because the peace is there and it's real. Second, your perspective changes. Sometimes the circumstances don't, but your perspective changes. Your mindset, everything becomes a little clearer. Your focus is on, even when I'm, you know, under somebody who's abusing me or is wrong to me, how can God help me live in a way that draws people? Because at the end of the day, what else is going to matter? This world is going to end. We're here for a short time. It changes your perspective. Some of you know, we were praying, uh, my son Jackson, who... Uh, sometimes it's up here on drums. My oldest son, I have two. Uh, sometimes I say that wrong and it really hurts my kids' feelings. I have three kids. All right, I'm talking about my oldest son, Jackson. He hurt his knee at, at basketball practice and we had a too long of a wait between injury, MRI, results of the MRI. We're praying. And we were praying all till Tuesday, which was the appointment. You know, anything, anything but season ending, right? We'll take these letters or these letters, just not those letters, and God, you're, you're supernatural and you're big enough and, and you can handle this and you care about knee injuries as much as you care about other things, and we're praying. We go into the appointment Tuesday morning, Jackson and I, and the doctor comes in, and I love a good, blunt, no-nonsense doctor. He says, anybody read your MRI to you? Nope, sir, that's exactly why we're here. And he says, oh yeah, you tore your ACL, right, which is season ending, uh, surgery. He's, he's, oh my goodness, boy is balling. He's so, he's just, he's just had his best spring and summer ever. This is his junior year. Oh, he just, and he's out. Uh, not, not what we were praying for, not what he, not what I, not what a lot of people were praying for. That was part of, that was midweek for us. And people ask, you know, how's Jackson doing? How's he handling it? Well, if you know Jackson, he's He's pretty great all the time, right? He's not here, so don't, don't think, oh, man, he's down and out. He's serving at some Young Life conference in South Carolina. We haven't seen him all weekend. People say, how's Jack? He's doing better than me. That's right. And my knee's fine. But it's like, man, hurts, right? But I'm so thankful. We love basketball at the Jones House. We love it. I'm so thankful we haven't built life on basketball. Because whatever you're building your life on, whatever it is, it can be taken. You can lose it. But nobody can take Jesus. And my young 18-year-old son is figuring out his own faith day by day and growing, and and he's going to grow closer to Jesus through this, and he's got a great attitude and a great... He's already figuring out what, what this time that he's been given, now he can do with it. But at the end of the day... Man, when I'm standing before God, when Jackson's standing before God, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to be thinking about athletics, academics, achievements. It's going to be all about who you are in Jesus. And if you allow that to come into your week, it'll change your perspective. Finally, praise God, the third is performance is killed. Performance, living to perform and to achieve for God. We don't perform to gain our standing with God. We don't perform to gain our standing with God. So stop trying. We live out of the standing that God has gifted to us through His grace. And if you don't know how vastly different those two things are. You gotta figure it out and you gotta let us help you figure it out. The life trying to gain my standing with God by obeying and pleasing and doing the right things versus the life where I'm obeying out of love because my standing has been given to me as a gift through grace. Those are not similar lives. One is full of stress and misery and self-righteousness and you're the kind of people that the waitress and waiters and the servers and the restaurants on Sunday hope you don't come to their restaurant because you don't tip well and you're mad and you're looking for something they do wrong. But these people over here, that their standing has been given to them. They live with a joy and a peace. They still have bad days, but they're looking, how can I bless and love? Because I can't believe that God of the universe has poured his love on me. And performance is killed, and sometimes i got to kill it over and over and over. (laughs) But it is so good. I lived a lot of my life as a pastor. I lived till 28, 29 years old trying to perform. And I don't miss those days. Grace changes everything. And we'll start next week with the word it, referring to grace. But we had to start make sure we understand what grace is. And then it is going to change our lives as we look at verse 12 next week. But I wanted to end today with what I said uh, a couple weeks ago. Coming off this sabbatical, I just have been convicted no pressure on you and no pressure on me, but we're gonna be a church where it's normal to give people a chance to respond to Jesus. So last week we did the old one, two, three. You know what? I'm tired of counting. I don't feel that, all right? Some pastors do that and I love it and I love them. For me, here's what we're gonna do uh, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. And, and again, we might not do this every week, but I just talked about the grace of God and your standing with Jesus. And some of you in a si- room this size, some of you, you're, you're not sure of your standing. How could you be sure of your standing with God? You trust and put your faith and make a decision. I believe that, I follow that, I want that. If you've never done that, we're gonna ask you to raise your hand in a second when we pray. Bow with me and pray. Father, if there's those in this room that you're calling today, make it unmistakable, not from a good message or a good song or a good service, make it unmistakable by the power of your spirit, the gospel, the power of God. Would you put it on their heart and their mind right now that you're calling them, that you're calling the one you created to answer, to to receive this grace that is so beautiful and so life-changing. If there's somebody, as we have our heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's somebody who wants to receive that grace and to give your life to Jesus for the first time today, would you just raise your hand nice and high where you are? It's the best decision you will ever make in life. Father, as we sit, those of us that have just been changed we're not perfect God but you see us as perfect because of the perfection of your son God the grace of God that brings salvation to all has appeared to all men God help us take it with us this week help us just smile God would you help us sit in that peace sit in that perspective and sit in the beauty that we don't have to perform for you that you've given us your grace I pray that would change our church change our lives change our week we pray and go in Jesus name Amen. Y'all have a great week.